Nice. I'm so excited to introduce Rabbi Jair. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you. Perfect. Just, uh, yeah, Scandinavian uh, J. <laughs> Who is the chief rabbi of Denmark since 2014. He was born in Norway and grew up in Jerusalem. He is part of a dynasty of Danish rabbis and is married to Tali and has three children. Thank you so much for teaching this class today, Rabbi Year. Of course. And uh, I'm happy to be uh, with you. Um, uh, I, I, I chose a, a story to study together, which is uh, a quite known story. Um, um, so I don't know how much uh, new things I can uh, I can come with, but uh, but let's see uh, what we can uh, come through. And, and I hope that the people who are uh, participating can come with uh, questions, comments, and uh, and uh, everything uh, during this uh, study session. Um, the story is the story, of course, of uh, Migdal Bavel, uh, Babel Tower, which is one of the uh, it's one of the most known uh, stories in the in the in the, in the Bible regarding uh, uh, paintings and such, like a, a story that was really uh, is part of a, a general society and uh, Jewish Christians and and uh, all over the place, and uh, has a, both a unique name. And I have to admit, it's quite a weird and a bit mystical story uh, when we come to try, try to understand. Uh, I hope we'll uh, come uh, a bit uh, to that today. So we'll start with uh, just reading through the, the story. Uh, I, I hope I can share the, uh, I have the document in the Hebrew and English. Uh, yes, I can. Um, here, so I, uh, so just a very uh, a simple part of the uh, of the text. We talk about uh, Genesis 11, Bereshit uh, Yudalif, uh, and I'll try to read, uh, uh, to read it as much as I can. Uh, pardon my English. Uh, my wife is South African originally, and she hates all my mistakes in English. So I, I, I'm happy she's not part of this shield. Um, so uh, in the whole earth, was of one language and of one speech. And it came to the pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, come, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered, lest we will be scattered uh, abroad uh, upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men were building. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them which they have a scheme to do. Come, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all earth and they ceased to build the city. Therefore the name uh, of it called Bavel because the Lord did there 
confused, uh, confound the language of all the earth. And from tenth uh, did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the faith of all the earth. That's the story of Babel. And in this story, this uh, very short story, when we come to uh, uh, when, when we come to uh, the book of uh, Genesis, this is one of the shortest stories in the Torah at all. Uh, ten, uh, ten psukim, uh, uh, and nine psukim in uh, Genesis, that whole a complete story. And there are many questions that we uh, that are raised when we see this this, uh, this story. Um, uh, and I will I will start with a very basic. An important question of what is the sin of these people? This is this question of what is the sin of these people is one of the biggest questions that uh, we can find in uh, in any readers of this uh, story because there's no clear answer to that. We have just like uh, anywhere else in the Torah, um, basically every sin that uh, man can do was put on these people of, Bab uh, of Babylon. And uh, I can give just for example, we have uh, uh, from the one side, uh, we have uh, the, the most classical interpretation, uh, Rashi uh, and, uh, and uh, and others went to uh, to say that the, the sin is because of the uh, of the name they want to create for themselves, which is a uh, a kind of avodah zarah, idol worshiping. They're going against God, and this is in a way the creation of idol worshiping because of the uh, of these uh, words of v'naseh l'anushem, uh, and let us make make us a name. This direction that uh, that Rashi Tzfon and uh, others uh, hold is is based on a uh, an idea that uh, that comes from uh, in in the content of uh, Bereshit that the name we have uh, uh, this is one of the goals the very clear uh, other. Uh, person that have this name in Hebrew, Naselanu Shem. Shem is the, the father of 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 of, 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 of the Israelites, but also for of most of the people. That's where the word antisemitism comes from. Of Shem, that's the the source of it. But also later, Avraham. It said tell when uh, when taught tells about Avraham, he calls in God's name, Hashem. Um, so, uh, so there is a kind of a dialogue between the story of Babylon and the story of Abraham, uh, the, the difference between idol worshiping and um, monotheism, the calling of, of uh, God's uh, name. Some added the sin of, um, of gava, of uh, pride. Let's make ourselves a name. This is something that we know from today, right? We we hire uh, people to create us a, a great name. Politicians need spin doctors and uh, uh, people to, to help them create a better name. 
um, uh, every company needs a, a creative to create them a name. And part of that is uh, some kind of a gavav. If we need to create ourselves a name, maybe we don't have one. Maybe our name is a, is a bad name. We need to have a better name. So this is part of uh, the same uh, direction. Um, uh, there are uh, uh, others who went to a question of, uh, for example, Rashbam uh, and Radak, who said that the sin is that they try to avoid, if uh, Rashi uh, focuses on make us a name, and Rashbam and uh, Radak, they focus on lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth that uh, we have here. That this is, goes against the only thing God told people. God told people they're supposed to spread upon the earth. You are supposed to spread all over the earth. So maybe this uh, story uh, the focus is in they're going against god's message of uh, going uh, of spreading of uh, going all over the uh, all over earth um, uh, to conquer it as uh, god said in the, in the creation of uh, of uh, of men of adam of men and women now in the another direction that uh, that some say, especially uh, Ibn Ezra, he said these people they didn't make any sin. They, it was a sin; it was wrong, but they didn't know that they acted against God's will. And uh, and that's why their 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 punishment is also different. That they uh, they when we do a sin, we have to know that it's wrong. You can't blame someone uh, for doing a sin if no one told them ever that this is something wrong. Uh, but even though they did something that was against God's will, and doing it against God's will, this is what uh, brought the uh, uh, what brought them the, the punishment. So this is like different directions. Some even uh, choose a, a whole uh, different one, and, and now I have to show the the Hebrew text because it doesn't come through the the, the English one that when uh, when God comes down and to look what the people have done it says and the word yazmu the word yazmu is connected had a very very negative connotation in Hebrew it's connected to zima I actually don't even have the right uh, 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 the right word in uh, in English, but it's connected. Usually, zima is connected to sexuality, different aspect of uh, very bad aspects of uh, uh, of sexuality. Is something that uh, um, that is also, of course, uh, seeing wrong. So, in, in general, we can see here. So many different sins that were given on them. The idol worshiping can be a sexual problem, can be going against God's word, can be about spreading around the world. So many different sins. And I will, uh, I will uh, argue that because we have so many uh, different uh, 
different uh, interpretation, then this text probably doesn't include a simple sin, at least. Uh, it went so far that there were even some uh, researchers uh, that tried to say that there's nothing wrong about uh, what, what they did. Now, to answer and to find out what's the source and the key in this story, uh, we can go to many, many different directions. I want to start to try to find out who and what are these people. And then not because I can, uh, I can be definite about it, but it's actually unclear why does this uh, story come exactly here? Where is this story supposed to be placed in the book of Genesis? And, uh, and for that, we have to remember that what we have before the, this text is a description of the, what we call the Shivim Umoto Olam, the 70 nations of the world that are spread all over the world. We start from uh, uh, right after uh, the story of uh, Noah and the, the ark and all of chapter 10 goes to the, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Yefet, and talks about how all these nations uh, spread to different places, to different tongues, uh, languages, um, and we go through so many uh, different names. This is the whole chapter 10, then comes our chapter, and then comes the, the story of the generations of Shem, so it's a definite at, that the Torah goes back to Shem, Shem, Ham, and Yefet, the sons of Noah. We read all, all, all their uh, uh, children, grandchildren, many generations after them. And after the story, we go back to Shem. So it's unclear historically if the Torah, the Torah is definitely not a history book, but what, where did the Torah choose to place this story? Some says that this is supposed to come before. So this is the source of how the, all the nations were spread all over the world. This is very hard to say that because the Torah could easily put this place, this story before uh, the story of all the, all the, the nations spread. And I will very uh, carefully argue that this story comes against the previous story of all nations created in a spread around the, around the world. And now we have, when I ask who are these people and, and what they are and what they're placed, this is immediately uh, something you, you can see when you when we read the first um, uh, psukim in our story. Because one thing is very clear that we have no clue who these people are. In every story, when we start a story, we start by representing the people who are the, the, the stars of the event. Who is these people we're talking about? We need to know Noach. First, we have to start telling who Noach is, and then come all, all this story. We need to know who Abraham is, and then we can. And here, we, we, uh, we lack. This very important part, who are these people? It says, maybe, we should understand, and the whole earth, maybe he talked about all the people in the world. 
But if it's all the people in the world, how come they, they come from one place to another and their place in Vahibin Osam and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar. So they found a place in a land of Shinar that already exists. So there were people in Shinar before they came. So who, how come they can travel around if they don't know who the, uh, if we don't know who they are and if it includes all the, all the people in the world? And here we can very gently argue, I'm not the first one, and uh, many researchers talked about it, that this might be mentioned also before. It tells the last time, the first time we read about a place called Babylon, as it comes here, but actually in the previous uh, chapter. In chapter 10, we read about a person that is very unique. We read about Nimrod. And the story of Nimrod I can share from, uh, uh, let's see if I can find. Uh, how can I, uh, how can I stop the share? Yeah, stop share. When we see the book of I can't share this now, I can't find it, but I can uh, read it for the text that I have in front of me. Um, so uh, it said that Nimrod began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Before it is said like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. There's no hint what this Nimrod is about. Torah does say he's something special that everyone knows about, but we, no one knows. And then it says, but in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, in Erech, in Akkad, in Kalne, in the land of Shin'a. So here is mentioned a place called the land of Shin'a, And we hear about someone who has a kingdom that includes Babel, Babylon, that we read about in our story. So there is suddenly a connection that is at least interesting. And another interesting thing we can say, say that he comes originally from a different place. He comes from the West and goes East. He's the son of Cush, Cush at the area uh, Kush is today the, uh, the word that you're not allowed to say, uh, this is our N-word. Uh, um, that uh, the way that in, uh, in Hebrew, in uh, my childhood, you, you used to call, uh, call black people, you'd say Kushi, which was, it's like our N-word, we don't use it anymore. And it come originally because of the name of the area that was Kush. So he comes from, from there and go, goes to the east. Eretz is in the place of Babylon. So here maybe we have a, a hint of, a, of someone who moved from his original place and started to create a, 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 a kingdom, something that was different than any, anything in the past. So this is just a, 
uh, conclusion and maybe our story is in a way connected to because we talk about the, uh, the very same place and then we need to think of that in, in that uh, connection. Uh, that, that's the first thing. Now, the other aspect that we need to look in the story is also what is special about them? What happened? Why is God disturbed by what's happening with these people? What did they do? And I need to look back to our text and try to find out what is it they, they do. What, we do, what is very clear that they don't have a name because they need to create one. So they say, and they said to one another, come let us, let us make bricks and bury them th uh, thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for a mortar. And they said, and very important here that when the Torah says here tw twice, and they said, and they said again, these two things are separate. It says, come, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven and let us make us a name and so on. So we can see that they say two things. The one thing is, let us make bricks. And the other one is, let us build a city and a tower. When we have these two uh, sentences, one after the other, that means that we need to see them as separate things. We would expect that they will go vice versa. That the first sentence would be, come let us build us a city and a tower and so on. And then the other sentence will be planning, how are we going to build the city? Why do we need, need bricks? We need bricks to build a city. We need bricks to, to build a tower. We need bricks to, to create all the things we want to. But here it comes opposite. They start with telling each other, let's create these bricks and burn them thoroughly and created the bricks. And then come the next layer, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven. Now these things they say to one another connects to one of the very difficult questions that come right in the first sentence. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Again, many people try to interpret what are these things of uh, one speech. I, I, I wouldn't uh, translate Dvarim Achadim as one speech because Dvarim Achadim is uh, many. It's like Achadim in... Achadim uh, uh, is uh, like saying in Hebrew, few. Echad is one. Achadim is is a few, but not many. So Dvarim Achadim is, it can be, some would say that it explains Safahat, some say it's the content of the language is, is the same. Achadim come, it might be like Meuchadim, Achdut, of united. So being the same things, they all had one language and said the same things. Maybe that's why we see here, and they said to one another, but when we, when we hear said to one another, then we uh, expect a dialogue. But here we have, they said to one another, they didn't talk to each other. They said to one another monologues. They had few things of speech. They had few words that they all agreed on. They were very, very united, strongly united. 
United is always such a positive thing, and that might be a, uh, a uh, some of the difficulty that they will approach to at the end. It's very clear that the end of the story goes exactly against this, uh, that the whole earth with one language and one speech. So the end of the uh, uh, of the story would be that these people who uh, dwelt there in the land of Shina were spread all over the earth and they spoke many languages. So it again came exactly against what they wanted in the beginning. And also, as I said here, as we'd be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth, this is what they were worried, this is exactly what happened to them. So why do we have these two layers of, of speeches, the one and the other? And I would argue that here, the Torah wants to differ, differentiate two, uh, two difficulties that come from that uh, that that comes in in their uh, in the story. The one is a uh, a uh, I would say a, a technological breakthrough. They said to one another, "Come, let us make bricks and burn them uh, thoroughly." This is the way I read it. This is a technological breakthrough of creating the bricks. And being able to do that, they will be able to build build a building. They will be able to build build cities, towers, and so and so on and so on, because they had the technological breakthrough. They didn't have the technological breakthrough because they built a city, but they built a city because they had a technological breakthrough. The city here and the tower, and I know now I'm going against uh, the majority of the people who read it. What I grew up on, that building the tower meant fighting God, meant going, uh, trying to uh, be uh, bigger and, uh, uh, and so on. But here we can see that the reasoning behind building the city and the tower is, is to avoid something. Penafut, lest we be scattered abroad, uh, abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They didn't they didn't build the city and the tower to fight anyone. They built the, the city to avoid something. They wanted to insist that everyone stay exactly there. And, and if, they, if that's the case, it means that the goal of, the, of, the whole, of, of this whole story is actually a question of unity. We know that people, when they try to get unity, they try to find joint projects. Let's build huge towers. Let's create something amazing that everyone will be want to be part of. This is what every community, every uh, society needs to have some some can uh, a, a gather point, something that joins everyone around something. This is something that every society needs. And they understood that too. So why do they build a tower in a city, a city in a tower? Because they want everyone to stay together. And why are they worried? Why is it so bad to be spread upon the earth? And here, I will slowly argue that they're worried to be spread upon the earth 
because of what happened in the first uh, thing they said. Because it started with a technolo technological breakthrough. And probably this technological breakthrough could only happen because they were gathered there together. They needed each other to get this technological breakthrough. They couldn't do it without it. So you, uh, their unity was crucial to continue the technological breakthrough. This is what the, they, uh, they really wanted. Why do we need uh, to be everyone together? Because we found out that we can do something unique that no one knew before. We are so special. And that's why they insisted on trying to continue doing that. They build a city and a tower to make sure they stay together to, uh, to build a city. And I would argue that this is exactly what happened with God. And that's why this is what God sees. This is also why God doesn't punish them. We all read this at the end of the story that uh, God confused their languages as if it's a punishment. And, you, and it is in a way a punishment because it's what we call midah keneged midah. They wanted to stay together. God spread them all over the world. They had one language. God gave them many languages. But this is not necessarily a punishment because if we need it to be a punishment, then we lack something crucial in what God does. Because God comes down to seize the city and the tower. And then he says, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them, which they have a scheme to do. God doesn't say they did anything wrong. God is not upset. God is not angry. Usually in the Torah, when, uh, when the people in the generation of Noah did all the wrong things, God was, we, we read about a God that was sad and angry with the people. And here, there are no feeling attached, only words, only a rational explanation of the situation he sees. God doesn't say, oh, no, this is not okay. God says, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. God is not angry or sad. God is worried. He's worried because he understands exactly what they understood. God comes down to the people and what he sees, he, said, he sees people who have no limits. There are no limit to what they're capable to do. Not morally, maybe morally, we don't know. Some said that the, I didn't mention before, some said that the, their, their sin was that they didn't care about people, that they killed people who disturbed building, that they were murderers. We don't know anything like this here in the story. But what we see in God's words is only one thing. God is worried about what these people might create. He says, 
There's no limit to what they will be capable of. God understands the power of unity. He says the reason that they can do all the, of these things is because they have only one language. When Behold, the people in the one, and they have all one language, that means they can do everything. The power of unity, which the people sees, they see their power because of that they're united, that they have can have a uh, technological breakthrough. God sees exactly the same thing. He looks at, uh, up, uh, at them and sees that they have this technological breakthrough and they are able to do anything. And why? Because they have unity. They have only one language. They talk the same things and they're focused on creation, on this uh, technological breakthrough. And then they're able to do anything. What? God doesn't know what. He doesn't warn from, warn from a one specific thing they will do. Don't say it's too dangerous because they, they might build this that is uh, problematic, that they might build something else. That it just says, and now nothing will be withheld from them, which they have schemed to do. Anything they will try to do, they'll be able to do, because this is the power of unity. And in that sense, when God comes down, if I go back to the headline of my uh, shiur today, when God mixes, uh, confuses the languages and spread them all over the world, God says, unity is bad. The pluralism that we come to at the end is not a punishment to the people of Babylon. It's the gift God gives to the world. When I, uh, when we, I always read this story as a child and the, the way I learned it, God mixed, uh, confused their languages. That was a punishment to what they did. But pluralism in this aspect is exactly the answer to the dangers, the danger of unity. I know it's a weird thing today because we always learn that unity is a great thing. That we need to have be more united. We need to. This is united is seen as the, one of the best virtues, and I, and I think it has. We can also have many different other places in the world in the in the Bible that also talks about how we need to be together and united and so on. Um, uh, I can mention at least uh, the very clear uh, uh, place when uh, all of the Israelites come to uh, the, mind, the Mount of Sinai and and they say uh, and, and the Torah, Torah says. Uh, um, that they they parked there in front of the of the mountain. It says it not they parked in many, but one. It says as, as one. And the interpreter says uh, one person with one heart. They were all together united. That's the great amazing thing of Sinai. But that's a unity of a people, not unity of the whole world. And that is crucial in the biblical story, that the whole world is not supposed to be united because it's dangerous. I can, I can add even more, if we look back to the beginning of the story, again, I say we lack one thing they don't have. It says in the whole earth with one language and one speech, but we, we don't have, we don't have a name. We don't know who these people are. Maybe, 
It's exactly the opposite than what we read in chapter 10, when everyone had a name. Chapter 10 is basically a list of names and places and languages, each to their people, each with their own unique name. These people, they don't have a name. They want to create, let us make us a name. They don't have a name. They need to create a name in a way you can say, and now I'm, I'm really sorry because I know uh, uh, my, uh, that my audience today is uh, come from the uh, continent of America. And I would argue that in a way, this story is exactly the story of America of the idea of when we talk about the founding fathers of, uh, America, of the United States, that the, the whole idea of the United States was this is a, this is a place where, where we don't care who you are, where it's not about where you come from, but where is it you choose to go to? What are you capable to build? Do you want to be part of creating the future? We don't care what you did in the past, what you're running from, whatever. Come, join us. If you have the power, the ability to build, being a, say, a, a, someone who can think and be creative, come and join us. We don't look on your past. We look on your future. The U.S., uh, the, the, the country, of uh, the state of the U.S. was built of immigrants who didn't have a joint past. They only, have, they only had a joint future. And in many ways, I will argue that this is why America turned to be so amazing and being able to create amazing things. Because they, had a, they were united in a dream of building a future. They said, let's focus on what you can create. And you can find until today, you can find immigrants from all over the world um, that can be heads of uh, Americans, uh, um, uh, companies and such. People can come from all colors. I know there are racial problems and such, but in principle, people are able to come from wherever and be part of uh, the American dream that looks on where, what are you going to build? And this worked, it worked. I would say that the Americans managed to build the Tower of Babylon. They managed to come to the moon. I mean, this is exactly what God says when the people are united and concentrated on technological breakthroughs, then they will be able to do anything. And definitely you proved, I'm sorry to blame you, you are the American that right now in front of me, you proved that this is right. Americans proved that, they, that when people are united in, in looking to the future, they, they are able to build anything. But maybe this is exactly what God is worried about. Because when you're, when you're able to build anything, then there are also no limits to the dangers of the thing that you are going to build. So at the same time, you can build the most beautiful and amazing building than technology, uh, technologies and the medicine that 
that helps the whole humanity. But at the same time, we can the same breakthrough can create our terrible smartphones, which I hate. <laughs> they can create uh, atomic weapons that can destroy the whole world. So the technological breakthrough has a huge danger. And that is exactly what happened in our story. God is worried. He's worried of what people are capable to do. Not because they are, their intentions are bad, but it's because there are no limits. Because when the technological breakthrough starts, then there's no end. And today, you might say that the American story is, is spread all over the world. And today we really have, for the first time ever, an international one language. Here, I sit today in front of you, uh, chief rabbi of Denmark, speaking to who uh, was raised in Israel and speak to you with an English that you can understand. Even not one of the worst you ever heard, uh, right? I hope so. So how come I can speak English? English was spread because everyone that want to be part of this story of the worst Western world and the whole world needs to understand English. It needs to be part of, maybe in the future it will be a different language, maybe Chinese, maybe something from India, I don't know. But the idea that everyone needs to speak English to be a, this is, we are living, we are living the nightmare that God was worried about. And maybe the technological breakthrough, we don't have the powers to stop it anymore. It's too strong. It's stronger than us. And maybe we came to that breakthrough that God was so worried about. I don't know. Maybe we were paying the price of these technological breakthroughs that happened through the last 200 years. And today we all see the climate uh, aspects of these changes that are the direct result of these technological breakthroughs. So we thought that we are trying to be united and build things together that will serve and help all of humankind. But maybe we ruined our own earth and universe. This is, this is a big danger that God was worried about. And maybe, maybe today we, are, we see the ruins and the end of the story of the uh, Tower of Babel, because now the city of Babel and the Tower of Babel exists again. And uh, it's a sad life. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a positive, optimistic uh, end to this fuel. I think the reading of this is lies in the essence of the story of the Tower of Babylon. But the answer that the Torah said, and the answer that uh, maybe we need to go back to, is stop trying to find ourselves a name and go back to our name. Being different, a real essence of pluralism, not pluralism within, within unity, not the pluralism, everyone that are more or less like us can be uh, united. It can, can be part of the story. No, a unity is also spread all over the world, not necessarily being all the time in collaboration and, 
and it were, maybe we sh should re-embarrass, re-embarrass, uh, re-embrace being very different, having different cultures and different religions and different uh, views and uh, different experience, different languages. Maybe that's essential to behold the balance of the world. There are dangers in that too. But these dangers, they are smaller than danger that can ruin the whole, uh, the whole earth. So in a way, our goal is to refine ourselves, not through going to become someone else, but to find our roots, not to create a name, but refine our own name and that other people do the same things. Being real pluralistic, give place to different people that will be completely different uh, than us. And then we'll come to the vision of, of all of the nations that speak together, but like you used to do in the UN, not that the whole discussion happened in English, but with interpreters, with uh, someone translators, with people need to, we need to have a cultural gap that we need to uh, be able to uh, bridge, not being everyone with the same, not watching everyone the same movies, reading the same books, and that will be going back to Babylon. We should be very different and then meet and then build the bridges between the different cultures, but they need to stay at the bridges and not uh, being one. Yes, these are the thoughts that I had to, there are many, many more things in detail that we couldn't uh, uh, go through uh, all, uh, sorry to the whole thing, but uh, uh, these are my, my thoughts of uh, this year uh, today. Okay. Is it question answer time? Of course. All right. Um, there's so much to unpack here. There is so much here. <laughs> What uh, I wanted to bring up, especially my younger sister works for NASA. So when you started talking about putting a man on the moon, I, I immediately went to, okay. But um, what I was thinking, um, one of the things that ideas that popped into my head is that um, God um, like had the cherubim guarding the tree of life after the fall. And basically kind of the same idea if humans eat from the tree of life, then it's going to just go completely, you know, there's no stopping them and everything. Um, is it, um, one thing that I also wanted to think about though, is that is it just an inevitable consequence? The more knowledge we get, the more openness to differences of opinion, differences of interpretation of things. So is that just something that, when it talks about confounding, there might be confusion when, okay, some um, new historical source has come out and everybody's interpreting it different ways. Someone else who's reading about it might be confused on, okay, so which is the correct interpretation? And no human ever gets like a 100% correct interpretation. So is the story also about just the inevitability that humans are always going to, every time we take a step forward, there are always going to be all of these different paths that are confusing which one to take. All these different paths um, come out in front of us and it'll be very confusing for us to figure out which one to take. What you say now, I think in a way, uh, I see it as an optimistic uh, possibility. Mm -hmm. Maybe God is uh, supposed to at some point now come down again and make some kind of a mixture that will again uh, 
uh, uh, we, we couldn't manage it ourselves. So mm -hmm. just like the people of Babylon, then God needed to come down and, and uh, mix their languages. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe in some way it will create new paths and then we'll separate each to our, our direction. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe the U.S. will split between uh, the Democrats and uh, and uh, things uh, and, and republics, I have no idea what the future uh, brings uh, to us. Maybe we'll, we'll have some kind of a, uh, we'll be saved in the last second uh, against. I'm, I'm not sure because in many ways I, I feel very clear that the technological breakthrough that we experience today is stronger than ever before. Mm -hmm. That the, the amount of new technology and the, the tempo is crazy. Like mm -hmm. we uh, double the amount. And I, I think that. Uh, uh, ever since that, uh, who was it that said that, that uh, there won't be any more patents that, like about a hundred something years ago, that very soon there won't be any more patents because we found almost everything. Uh, and uh, there was someone in the patent office in the US uh, 120 mm -hmm. years ago who said that, I don't remember who. Um, but, uh, but I think today we have more patents than ever before. And every year it's like twice as much as the year before. It's crazy. Like the amount of uh, new uh, uh, inventions is, uh, unstoppable yes mm -hmm. and the danger is that is that it is unstoppable that it's not in our hands anymore because technology can, is stronger than people and mm -hmm. we created something that can uh, uh, and and we already live it that's the danger i don't like to be a um, uh, like a, a doomsday uh, prophet uh, this oh, is okay. not I my am. tradition <laughs> no, no but that's not my tradition my tradition is uh, that that's jews my, my grandfather, who was the, the chief rabbi in Denmark uh, before me, and uh, actually this evening is his uh, Yatzeit, uh, he, um, uh, he passed away last year. Uh, oh. He said that uh, uh, he said that as a Jew, we need to, uh, we have two, two things that are a, a build, uh, uh, build in in being Jew. One is that we're always in opposition. Now, every one of you that knows some Jews know that Jews are always in opposition, always will take the other opinion and, and such. But mm -hmm. he meant it also as, a, as a, a goal. We need to be always in an opposition to, uh, to challenge, to all, all, always challenge society and so on. And the other thing he said was that, the, well, that the, we, as Jews, we always need to be optimistic. He... Uh, he uh, he said that when we look at the Jewish history mm -hmm. and all the people, we, we, when, uh, when we read the Vehisha Amda Lavoteinu Velanu in the Haggadah Shel Pesach, all those who wanted to kill us, uh, many times we tend to stay in the, uh, we sing the, uh, mainly the Vehisha Amda Lavoteinu Vehisha, Shelo Echad we focus on we focus on every generation that's trying to uh, destroy us. This is the, the, the heart of the song. But the heart of the song is not that. It, the, the last sentence, and God saves us from them. Uh, and we have to... Uh, so when we look at the Jewish history and see how many people that have tried to destroy us and how many times we were saved, then we have to be optimistic that everything can be, can be positive again. This is uh, uh, the, uh, the tradition I uh, walk with. So I, I want to stay optimistic <laughs> and uh, don't be focused on doom day. It doesn't mean we don't need to be worried about, uh, about and warn about uh, problems and challenges, 
but but we have to do it holding an optimistic view that it can be uh, can be changed. And I would argue here that the source that the Torah gives us is a source that we need to uh, embrace. Yes. Embrace pluralism of, and, that's a, and I don't say pluralism in a simple way, not of just being nice to, uh, like we, we want every, everyone to feel comfortable. That doesn't what, what I mean with pluralism. I, I mean having difficulties, having differences, huge differences, having different cultures that won't be just nice that everyone that are just as liberal as us can be part of our story, regardless their uh, sexuality, color, or a, a religion. No, being able to see the advantages of having even culture that we, that we oppose. Having uh, here in Europe a balance of not only uh, having uh, Germany and France and England, but also having Russia, and that they will be part of the story, that they are supposed to be a different. It challenges us, but it, it uh, gives a balance that we need as humankind. Mm -hmm. If we won't have it, that would be the greatest danger. And that can come with respect. It can come with respect to differences, but it will also give, uh, give us challenges. It won't be easy. It shouldn't be, uh, when we talk about tolerance, the word tolerance in Hebrew, sovlanut, uh, is, is uh, come from the origin of the, the word seven, suffer. <laughs> it's not all tolerance, let's be all nice and, no, you suffer. You suffer that the other one has stupid opinions. <laughs> it, 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 it needs to be a challenge. It, 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 you, you suffer from it. You accept the right and the, their obligation to be different. This is uh, pluralism. Pluralism, not okay. Let's have uh, a few uh, nice uh, cultures from each one. You'll bring your uh, uh, funny uh, religious customs. You'll bring your family uh, uh, customs, and we'll all have some. We'll share about this. No, this is not pluralism. It's uh, something else that we can create in our community. But this is not pluralism. Mm -hmm. Pluralism is when it's when it's hard. When we have these differences, this is what God is willing to pay the price. And we pay a price for it. It's not a good thing. It's not an easy thing. But this is something that is there to protect, uh, to protect us as, uh, as, uh, as humans. Mm -hmm. Yes. Actually, I just had a, this might be completely off base, though, but I was also thinking about um, the namelessness of the people, like how they're just not named. Something in me just, I don't know, like that screams to me some part of that they did, but there's an also nameless parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're getting into kind of like, okay, so where are we in our own ways, like parts of ourselves that are kind of, um, I guess, unnameable, which can get, I'll go a little bit, that can go into all kinds of different directions though, but I was just wondering about that. Is there an aspect that the people actually did have a name, but it's speaking to a nameless part of themselves? I, I would definitely argue that this is part of the, that I, I said that the reason I think the Torah comes with this story after we have all the people that were spread over mm -hmm. the world with all their names. Mm -hmm. So they had a name and the Torah says, represents them without a name. So they, it, it looks like they had a name, right. they chose to uh, forget it and join together in this new project of, uh, that they call, that turned to be Babylon. Um, there are also different aspects to the, to the story, uh, also confronting the story of Babylon and, and, and so on and the ancient world, but that's, uh, that's for a, a completely different uh, shield. 
-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. There might be a little bit, there's still some idol worship, you know, danger <laughs> in the story because it's kind of, okay, humans, do you really think that you, <laughs> you really think that you're nameless? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but uh, thank you for inviting me for this uh, hot day. I hope it's one of the last hot days in uh, in Denmark. Uh, uh, but I don't think so uh, with the uh, climate changes and such. Uh, I think it just become hotter and hotter. So uh, we all suffer together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again, Rabbi Yair. That was a really, really great class. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.